Warning. This podcast discusses paranormal activity and other topics some might find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, hello, everyone. I am your host, Ashley, and welcome to Ghost Gossip. I have missed you. How is your summer going? Anyone else's lights coming on and off in your house? Anybody? Just me? Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Just me. All jokes aside, we got home yesterday. We took a day trip, just my husband and I, to Charleston. And when we got home, our sunroom light was on, and which... What's funny is I had a feeling it was going to come on. I didn't say anything, but usually I do tell my husband, I think we're going to have some activity, and then usually it happens. But this time I didn't say anything. I was just, I think it was just a little bit of intuition just because every single time we go to Charleston, South Carolina, when we get home, that light is on. I don't know why. I can assume it's because we put our dogs in there. It goes to the backyard, and they come and go through the dog door. And so we close the doors to block the rest of their entry to the house so they're not roaming the house while we're gone. And I always like to think that my resident ghosties have a little bit of an infinity for my dogs and they don't like them being left with the lights off so they turn them on for them. But that might just be me being a little bit, you know, hopeful or imagination run wild or whatever you want to call it. But it was was funny because I the storms were moving in. And we were trying to get home before the storms actually hit our area where we live. And we live about three hours from Charleston. So we were trying to get back. And I went and I have a video live stream in the room so I can watch my dogs. People, why do you have cameras in your house? Is it for your kids? Is it for security? I like to watch my dogs. So I know I'm not the only one. So anyway, so I'm checking in on my dogs to make sure my my littlest dog, Mandy, is not demolishing my house because she has extreme storm anxiety. And I saw the light was on and I had checked on them about three or four hours before and the light was not on. So for whatever reason, the first video that I checked in, I checked in on them did not save. It just did not save. And I'm not sure why, but the second video I made sure that it saved. So just, you know, some interesting things going on in full transparency. If you are new here, hello, welcome. Um, I have lights that come on and off in my house and there's no rhyme or reason to them, but to be fully transparent, the light and the fan that's controlled in the sunroom, they're controlled by switches and a remote. So there is potential that it's picking up a frequency from somewhere, but also in full transparency, every single fan in my entire house is controlled by light switches and remotes. And this is the only fan and light that has this issue. We have walked around the neighborhood. I know this sounds crazy. I am that crazy neighbor, guys. I am the crazy neighbor that is walking around the neighborhood with a remote trying to turn other people's lights on just to see just to see. I went, I have two neighbors who are relatively close to my back room, but then again, they're relatively close to other lights in my house. And I walked around pointing and I know I can't see everything in their house, but I figured if they're turning, if they are, if they are 
let me, let me preface. If they are controlling my one light, then I should be able to control a light of theirs. And it has to be relatively close to the exterior wall of the house. So that's my theory. I walked around the neighborhood, nothing. So I don't know. It could be. My husband was a firm believer of the frequency and the remote issue for a very long time, but he has been experiencing more than he ever has. And now he's just not sure. He told me the other day, it is just unnerving that when he opens his eyes, the closet light will come on the moment he opens his eyes. And I have experienced that as well, but he seems to be experiencing this more now. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't explain it. So it's just one of those things. It's, it's, it's really cool for us. And we have accepted it as just part of how we live. And here we are, we share, we like to think we share residency and we're all living in harmony right now. It's all nice. There is a date coming up of some importance to my resident ghostie and it's his birthday. His birthday is on July 5th. So today is July 2nd and that's actually my ex-husband's birthday. So happy birthday to my ex-husband. But um, on July 5th is our resident ghostie's actual birthday. So I'm interested to see if that date has any bearing on the activity. I did not know his birthday last year, but I did some research this year and did discover that he was born on July 5th. So we will see if any of the lights come on and off, if there's any activity, if I see another shadow move, you know, if I see those, you know, when you see something out of the corner of your eye and it makes you wonder, was that really something? Or was that just a floater? You know, you can, if, if you're like me, you do have a healthy level of skepticism. So you're not believing everything that might be, you might be like, Oh, I just heard a step that was somebody, or was that the ice maker? So I always try to lead with that healthy level. Like what could it potentially be? And then when I'm left with nothing at the end, that's when I'm like, okay, I can't explain that. There is no explanation. What's up ghosty. That's usually what I do. What's up ghosty. But anyway, moving on, moving on. One more thing on my last episode, I shared about my earliest experiences about the ghost dog, the dog that was not mine. And what's really cool is that happened when I was about 13 years old. And I have not really talked about that one experience in a very long time. And, it, you know, it's one of those things I never really talked about to begin with. I just started being open about my paranormal experiences and my empathetic ways and my intuition and some of my premonitions like recently because I feel more comfortable now that I'm older and I don't really care what people think of me. So I'm more comfortable talking about some of those things that I've kept quiet all these years. But <laughs> what's so funny is before I shared that story, my dad hasn't talked about it either. And we were at a birthday dinner for my mom sitting there. And this was literally three days after I recorded one day after I shared my podcast story. And he out of the blue said, do you remember that time that we all had that ghost experience all together? And I kind of looked at him and I was like, which one? Because I'm thinking, is there another one I don't know about? Tell me, tell me. And he's like, no, the one with the dog. You remember that? And he told me the exact same story that I told you. And I just stood there. My husband was with me and we just stared at him because it, he hadn't talked about that in years. And it just, it is just one of those moments that blew me away that he was, 
I had just shared the story and now he was telling me that story and telling my other family members. So I thought that was really cool. It was very validating for me to hear him tell me the same story that I told you. So it made me feel really good. Now, before you start saying, well, he probably just listened to your podcast, I am here to tell you, my parents do not listen to this podcast. They are not podcast people. So there's, you know, he, he would tell me like, hey, Ash, I heard your podcast, but he didn't. He out of the blue brought that up. I will say my family is 100% believers, and I love being able to share these stories and have absolutely nobody think you're crazy for it. So it's really comforting. But anyway, enough of my ramblings. Today is a listener happening episode, so let's get into it. Special thanks to Nicole and Catherine for submitting their stories. Nicole sent me stories. She was the first person to ever send me any group of stories. So this is one of those stories from the group that she initially sent me. So thank you so much, Nicole. This is a story about a haunted house that she lived in. This is Nicole's story. This happened in our first house. It was an outdated small bungalow that we bought from a retired couple. The neighbors were afraid of it because they said it was haunted. I never had any fear in that house, but even my mom was afraid in there, especially in the basement. When we moved in, there was surgical equipment hanging on the walls. What? It didn't faze me. I was so happy to have our own home. After the twins were born, we started noticing several weird occurrences. Genesis, our dog, would growl and look down the stairs at the basement. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I just got chills. His fur would become pilo-erect, but he wouldn't actually go down and look. One time, I was on the phone with my mom. Eddie had Rose, and I had London in my arms. There was an infant rocking seat in the middle of the floor in front of us. We were sitting on the couch, watching TV, and out of nowhere... The chair rocked forward one time and stopped. The windows were closed and no cats or anyone was around. If it was the wind or something that bumped into it, it would have continued to rock until it slowly slowed down and stopped. Instead, it just rocked forward once and that was it. Eddie jumped up and looked under the couch for an explanation, but could never explain it. Another time I was home alone with the twins and videotaping them on the floor. I was tickling them and they were laughing. If you listen back to the video, you can hear someone say, Aww. It sounded like a man's voice. I didn't show many people because they wouldn't believe me. They could have said I made it up with a voice behind the camera, but that wasn't the case. It was real. A different time, Eddie had Rose in his lap. London was in her infant chair, and I was on the other couch. Genesis all of a sudden got up and began growling in Eddie and Rose's direction. This was completely out of character for him. At first, we thought it was because Eddie had his hoodie over his head, but Genesis sees him do that a lot. When I looked once more, I noticed that Genesis was staring at the wall above Eddie's head and not actually at Eddie and Rose. It was almost as if someone was standing over Eddie looking down at Rose. I have full body chills. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Genesis' hair on the back and his neck stood straight up and he backed up into the couch practically on top of me. He's 80 pounds. Creepy didn't begin to describe that incident. Oh. Oh my goodness. Okay. 
I got to rub my arms and my legs because they are covered. First off, okay, so is there ever a story about a haunted house that doesn't have a basement? I'm just asking for myself because somebody, I heard somebody say on another podcast, it wouldn't be a spooky house without a basement. So we have a basement. (laughs) So, and secondly, girl, why? Tell me why. Tell me why you did not freak out when you walked in and there was medical equipment hanging on the walls. I'm just curious because, I mean, excited or not, that might have been like, oh my God, wow. It is always so surprising to me how animals have that sense about them. And it, it, it really just blows my mind. Dogs and cats alike how they can pick up. I had a Jack Russell. And when I had an incident with a menace coming to my house, he was like doing that. The The hair was standing on end. He was growling. He was facing a certain direction and he would not stop. And it is just amazing to me how, how these animals can just pick up on things like that. I did have somebody ask me recently if my dogs and or cats in my house pick up on anything. I don't know. Sometimes my cat, when she's inside, will stare at the closet with the motion light and she'll just stare at it and there's nothing there. I've gotten up and looked, there's nothing there and she'll just stare in the direction of the closet. I'm telling you, this closet is, I don't know what's up with it, but it is a little freaky in that closet. (laughs) So, um, but my dogs, they sometimes bark at stuff, but there's, I really don't think that, I don't think my dogs have a sixth sense. They're kind of dodo heads, but I love them regardless. I think that if it, if they have seen it, I haven't noticed it. But the cat, I definitely have noticed. So that's just, you know, my own personal experience in this house. I tell you what, if I was in that house and Genesis was doing that, I, I don't, that would freak me out. Our next two stories are from a listener, Catherine. We have been emailing back and forth here and there, and I just, can I just start by saying thank you so much for emailing me. I really have enjoyed our conversations, and thank you for sending in your stories. So the next two are for you. I really appreciate it, and I can't wait to talk to you again. The title of this story is Philip Class Notes. Philip Class, a signed government UFO skeptic during the 1970s, was well known by my mom's friend. I don't believe she ever was very fond of Philip. He had the reputation of having his own agenda in Washington, D.C. My friend gave me his signed book he had given her. I was a young teenager at the time, but intelligent enough to know nonsense when I read it. I've had experiences I can't always wrap my head around while in D.C., and after my return to Arizona during a time my parents separated, that frightened me, some of which I'm sure Philip Class would have scoffed at. Strong memories during high school were horrible. A dark time for me. All the students used the public bus to get home. I was with my dad at that terrible small house on Waverly Street, while my mother stayed in Washington, D.C. I remember the bus had become overpacked and delayed the driver from proceeding. As everyone was screaming trying to pack themselves in, a rock came flying through the window next to me. I pushed my way through to get back off the bus and tried to get rid of the shattered glass from my hair and my shirt. The bus suddenly takes off, leaving me alone to walk a few miles through the desert to get back home. During my trek, I spotted something, some sort of white streak like none I had seen before. It shot across the sky back and forth and then vanishes. 
Feeling as if the trauma had caused me to see something I imagined, I focused on the path. When I finally made it home, I laid down and experienced a type of spiritual disconnection, floating to the far upper corner of the room and experiencing a terrified moment of feeling trapped in that space until I could force myself back into my physical self. It was one of the most strangest moments in my life, and I kept it very private. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like that is, uh, okay, I can't believe that bus left you. Let's just start there. Can we write a letter? Can we call their manager? (laughs) You don't leave young people. Don't leave them. Oh man. Okay. Well, that was traumatizing in itself. Having a rock thrown through the window, getting covered in glass, being a young lady, and then having to walk through the desert home. That alone can have you just shaken up, but wow. That's wild. Do you think it was astral projection? Do you think that it could have been some kind of alien encounter? Uh, My husband is the, it's so funny. He believes in UFOs. He believes in UFOs and aliens. Like he'll fight you about it. Like he's ready. And so him and I, you know, with UFOs, or any kind of like alien encounters, like I've, I haven't really jumped into that side of the paranormal, but I know he's just like, yes. And I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that we are the only living. I mean, how can I say that we are the only living things in this galaxy? Like we don't know, but he is ready to go. Like if anybody ever wants to have a talk about aliens, like he is roaring and ready to go. But it just, that's just so weird that you had this like a spiritual disconnection, like floating and just feeling like you were trapped. And especially being a young teenager and then experiencing that after having that traumatic moment, like, oh, all right, moving on. Her next story is called Between Two Cities. It was 1986, and I was living in Tucson, Arizona. I was only 23 years old, still trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I had just graduated from a small medical college. It was a one-year program, and my studies were medical transcription and physiology. Before starting my first opportunity working for a cardiologist group, I needed a few medical dictionaries I could only get in Phoenix for a discounted price. Highway 110 had a speed limit of only 55 in those days, and it was a two and a half, three hour drive with very small towns in between. I miss those less populated days. Tucson was a vast and beautiful desert landscape back then, unlike today where everything is being bulldozed to make room for suburb communities. I digress though. I feel you. It's here. It, it, that's happening here too in Greenville, South Carolina. Rather than make the trip by myself, I asked my mom to ride shotgun with me. Now, don't let us forget to refuel on our way back, Mom. Well, of course we both forgot. We were halfway back home, no town for miles before we got to Tucson, and the sun was starting to set on the horizon. Mom, something's wrong. As the car slowed down, I pulled off the side of the road. Oh, shit, I said as I looked at the fuel gauge. We both said, at the same time, we forgot to get gas. Now, everyone who grows up in the Southwest knows how spooky it can be when all the creatures of the night start stalking and the coyotes begin to call out collectively. Back in the 1980s on I-10, there was very little traffic, and we feared it might be a long wait until we were rescued. The first thing I did was pop the trunk and tie a white rag on the antenna to alert anyone coming by. 
Not more than 10 minutes went by when a black Ford Bronco pulled in front of us. This rather chunky, happy-go-lucky man hops out and asks if we need help. Hi, I'm John. Can I help you ladies? Are you kidding me? Yes, we proclaimed. He continues to tell us there is an Indian reservation close by and he will be able to bring back a gas can. I'll return soon, he said as he hopped back in his SUV and takes off. As the sun continues to disappear behind the mountains, we pray he returns as promised. My mom says, something is weird. What do you mean, I say. Mom responds, this is going to sound crazy and my eyes must be tired, but he almost seemed to glide more than he walked because of how quickly he moved. I giggled as an attempt to lighten the mood. He didn't seem to slide as if he was one continuous motion. I thought to myself, he was an energetic fellow, I responded. Ten more minutes had passed, and as we sat there, an old beat-up Chevy truck pulled up behind us. The driver, a disheveled hippie, started approaching us. We panicked. He looked a bit menacing. As he approached our car, he began pulling something out of his pocket. My worst fear seemed to be manifesting itself. As we winced, we saw he was holding a wallet flipped open, displaying a badge. Thanks for nearly giving us a heart attack, dude. I'm Deputy Rodriguez. Can I be of any assistance? An undercover law enforcement officer? What are the odds? At the very moment we were explaining our predicament, the black Bronco pulls back. We were all sort of stunned because he seemed to appear out of nowhere. It had only been approximately 15 minutes he had been gone. Introductions were made. John moved incredibly swift as he filled up our tank. Mom said, let me write a check to show our appreciation. He pulled out a piece of paper from his pocket, held it up, and said, you can make it out to this person. On the paper was the written word, Jesus. Mom nervously laughed and said, well, okay. Before we knew it, he was back in his Bronco, flying down the highway. The deputy looked confused when we told him we had only been there about 15 minutes. He then said, the nearest reservation is an hour's drive from here. There's no way he could have made it back that quickly. I like to think that that was our angel. It was one of those moments, I like to humorously say, it felt like as if the universe was tilting. There was something that could only be described as ethereal. I was feeling an astrophoric static. Maybe I was just tired, or maybe a certain set of circumstances happened by influences we can only sense if we choose. The following Sunday, during the Episcopal service, my mom placed a check in the offering plate. Written on the memo line, it said, to Jesus, for John. As she tucked it under the other bills, she looked at me and winked. I smiled. That was great. I absolutely love guardian angel stories. I have had my own and I read another one on the last Listener Happenings episode. I just absolutely think that they are real and they watch over us and protect us. And I think that's fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. And gotta love John and the Bronco, you know? I think the last Listener Happenings episode with the Guardian Angel, she was in a Jeep. These Guardian Angels truly are traveling in style. They know what's up. Thank you again for sharing with me. Thank you, everybody who is listening. Remember, if you have a ghost story or any kind of encounter with a paranormal, a Guardian Angel, a haunted house, whatever, send it to me. You can Send me your stories at ghostgossip247 at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and supporting the show. 
I truly appreciate it. And I love sharing and hearing and talking to you. Don't be a stranger. Feel free to reach out no matter how small the story, even if you don't want me to share it and you just want somebody to talk to about it. I love talking about this, talking about things that you cannot explain with other people that have experienced things that they cannot explain is very comforting to me. So send them on. All right. And with that, as always, thank you for listening and uh, they'll see you later. <laughs>